the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2020 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If this is the first time you heard the show, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, and the show is divided in a couple of parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to try to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court. And in today's world, it's very, very important to avoid going through court because that means probate. And probate takes a long time just because of the delays necessitated by COVID and people staying at home and not working full-time in the courthouse, things are slow. And as far as elder law is concerned, we're usually talking about trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about politics, history, religion. And, you know, the second part of the show today, we're we're going to be talking a little bit with my brother-in-law, Ted Mitchell, from Texas Tech University. Uh, And part of it, he's going to be working with the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, and, you know, Beth is going to explain a little bit later in the show what's going on with the John Wayne Cancer Institute, which unfortunately is no more. But there is the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. And to help me in the state planning part of the show, we have Nicole Donnelly. Welcome again, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here with you guys. Okay. Now, let me ask you something. What's your favorite John Wayne movie? He always does this to me, guys. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear it. I have not watched one, so I do not have a favorite, although I think I've been instructed to do that this weekend. So that's my weekend chores. You know, you know, like dozens of people right now are falling off their chairs listening to you. There's a person who hasn't watched a John Wayne movie. Well, I am always here for a shock factor. So there it is, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever see The French Connection? I have not. Oh, okay. That's why you should you should see The French Connection. See, I told you I'd have an assignment by the end of this. <laughs> okay. In any event, let's hope we're doing a little bit better on estate planning. But what what estate planning question uh, has been coming up that you want to talk about? So we've been getting this one a lot. If my father doesn't have a will and owns three to four properties, what happens to them when he passes away if I am his only child? Okay. Well, I'm going to assume from the nature of the question that the father isn't married. 
We could play it both ways, but yeah. for this part, I would assume he's also not married. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. Technically, per operation of law, the houses, the real estate would pass to your name. But you would have difficulty selling the property because, uh, you know, a title company may not insure the title in your name unless at least two years passes from your father's death to make sure that no will shows up. Now, you could, if you got a buyer for the house, you could go to court, get appointed administrator of the estate, get bonded, and then try to get a court order to sell the house. But the way things have been going right now, sometimes it's just as easy to wait two years. Because, you know, as some of you probably know, there were some judges in, in Brooklyn that didn't sign a court order for 18 months, which means it would be well more than two years. But, you know, some people are under the misapprehension. My father died without a will. His houses go to the state. That doesn't happen if you have children. If you have children, real estate in your name passes to your children. Yes, it's much better to have a will. The best thing would be to do a trust agreement. So this way, the real estate passes to the children tax-free without going to court. And by tax-free right now in New York, $6,060,000 would go tax-free. If you're single, if you're married, we can double that to $12 million and change. So now the question would be if your father had a wife and there was no will, the wife would get a little bit more than 50% of the assets in your father's name alone. Even if you had a will and father left everything to the son and there was a wife involved, she'd be entitled to put a claim on the estate for a third, assuming she didn't sign a prenup or some kind of agreement like that, a separation agreement or a post-nup or whatever. And it's almost impossible to completely disinherit a spouse in New York unless, again, you did sign something like a prenup or a separation agreement, something where you're giving up your rights. But the, the one thing to keep in mind is that if you don't have a will, some people think, my father didn't have a will, the properties passed to the state. No, if you have children, properties do not pass to the state. They go to the children. If So in other words, let's say there are three children, and the three children get around in, in a couple of years, and they want to transfer the property. They can do so. Um, like I said, a title company may not insure title. They don't have to insure title within two years of death unless there's a court order. And again, right now, it's hard to get court orders. But you know, if, if you're in one of those situations, you may want to talk it over. Now, if you're not going to sell the property for two years, maybe you do nothing. But here's one mistake I think I see a lot of people do. Uh, father passes away. He was a veteran or he was a senior citizen or both. And he had a senior citizen's exemption, a star program exemption, a veteran's exemption. Those exemptions died with the father. And if you don't notify the city taxing authority, well, the, the, in the long run, when the property sold, they're going to get that money back on the, on the real estate taxes and everything else. So, you know, you should take care of that right away if somebody passes away because nobody's going to click up. Nobody's going to know that your father passed away unless you tell the city. So if there was a veteran's exemption on the property and nobody tells the city to take it off, they're going to keep it on. And then when you sell the property, they're going to say, well, who's the veteran? And if you can find out the veteran died 20 years, you're going to get hit with 20 years of back real estate tax. And I've seen some people, um, when they did wait 20 years, whatever, with the penalties and everything else, that's a lot of money. And sometimes it, you know, it's pretty hard to come up with that money when you accumulate it over 20 years or whatever. So if somebody passes away, deeds in their name alone, the city's not going to know. They're not going to send you a bill for the real estate taxes. you got to tell them 
that the person who owned the property, you know, passed away. Nicole, do you have any questions? You were talking about as at law deed. Do I have any questions? I mean, I get asked plenty of questions. Okay, well, what do you... People always ask, isn't there a way around probate or if there is a will? We don't... Usually when you do an heir at law deed, I tell them, unfortunately, you're attesting to the fact that there is no will and that's why you have to do an heir at law deed. So if there is a will, an heir at law deed doesn't normally work. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I would say it's true, but, you know, because you got to be careful in how you word affidavits or whatever. You can't say there is no will when there is a will. At the same time, you know, and, and some people don't understand this, there's no obligation to probate a will. If nobody's affected, you know, especially, you know, losing some rights or whatever, there's no obligation to probate a will under New York State law. You can have a will, and if there's no reason to probate the will, you don't have to. Just because you have a will doesn't mean you're going to go through probate. What it means is if, if you do have any assets in your name alone, you can get an executor appointed, try to collect those assets, and yes, it will go through probate. Hopefully, if we're under $50,000 in the total estate, then it's a simplified probate and we're able to take care of it within a couple of weeks, months right now. But everybody should have a will, and, and you know that goes without saying. And you know sometimes you, you have this question, well, my father didn't have any children. Well... When we start going, Beth, maybe you can get onto this one. But sometimes you start doing genealogy research, and people find out that World War II veterans or Korean War veterans, they thought they didn't have any children, but somebody does a ancestry search, and what happens, Beth? Well, it is more common than you would think because um, someone may have an illegitimate child or. Um, like and a, this, a lot of World War II veterans, this happened right. to us a couple of times a year before last, I think. You have a World War II veteran, daughter goes on Ancestry.com or whatever it is and found out that her father had a child, wasn't married to the mother back in World War II because, you know, it was a different world back then. It was Right. And the, and the thing is, the person that you find out that you're related to that you didn't know you were related to, um, that person may not have done an Ancestry um, check, but someone else may have, when you get on, if, if you're on Ancestry, um, websites, we're on Ancestry.com. We use it sometimes to look up, um, families. You can get on there and, um, find, you know, get on the census records and it gives you a real good, um, blue plate of, of sometimes people's, uh, family histories. And when you're doing research in estates, it's it's a very nice, very, very handy thing. However, people that take the DNA tests, you when you look at that, you'll say, oh, well, we, we think that you're related to this person or we think that you're related to that person. And that, that person that they think you're related to may just be in someone's family tree, may not have taken a DNA test. But because of the the DNA that exists between the people that did take the test, it's like, oh, my goodness. And so you come up and you and they will guess, well, you might be a first cousin or, you know, but you're very close. And so they come very close. And I know one person that two people had the same name. 
and it was the the grandfather's name in both cases and so they at first they thought they were cousins then they realized they were two brothers different wives or different mothers same father but not cousins but half brothers yeah, because DNA wise, I don't think there's much of a difference between a first cousin and a half brother. Well, that's 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 it. It's just how it's it's how much shared DNA do you have, and that can come from different directions. It's very interesting, and the only thing I'm gonna because we have been contacted a few times, and I'm gonna say, if that happens, don't get upset. Just embrace it. Except you know? if your father, you think you're an only child and you're not an only child, <laughs> you may have a problem because you may have a half-brother who has a title to half his assets. I understand. And I'll tell you, in today's world, and I know some old-timers are going to get you know, a little, I don't know if upset or surprised, but a child born out of wedlock is a child in New York state law. And it doesn't matter whether you have a child that was born of a marriage and the people were married 40 years or whether you know it was an affair back in 1944 and there was no contact in between, that child is a child. And, of course, in today's world, oh, DNA, no. you can prove you're a child. So, you but know, there's going to be some interesting mistakes. But there's nothing you can estates. do about it. There's... Well, no, if you do a will, then at least that way you can, you, you can say who you want the, those properties That's to go true. to. That's true. If you don't have a will, then those properties might end up that is, you know, split that, the way you don't want. And, of course, the true. same thing could be, let's say you don't have any children, you have nephews and nieces, your brother may have a nephew or niece, you know, or in other words, a child that you don't know about. Unbeknownst. And that might be one of your heirs. It's always better to do a will. You choose the people who you know. And, he, and here's the thing, you know, back in the old days, when life was a little simpler, a lot of people would say, I leave a will, I leave everything to my children in equal shares or whatever. And... You, you got it, and, and you might say persterpes. Well, persterpes means it goes down the family line. So let's say you have a son, and he has a child not born in a marriage. And you may have no idea that you're leaving some child, you never grandchild you never ha heard about in your will. So it's it's better to do a will. In some cases, if there's any doubt, then you put in some clauses there. If the child's not born in the marriage, they're not included in your plan. Or whatever, but you know, we, you know, you're good at this one. You know, estate planning is not rocket science, but at the same time, what would you, what do you say? It's not rocket science, but it sure is close. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> it can be more complicated than you think. And a lot of times when people sit down and we start doing planning and we start doing wills and things like that, and I start asking the questions about all the what ifs. People sit back. I didn't. I never thought about that. I didn't think about that. Boy, I didn't know it's this complicated. It's not that complicated, but at the same time, it's not simple snap judgments. You can't just do a will and say, "Okay, I'm leaving everything to my son." You got to look at the what ifs, and you got to see. You know, things out there. There, there's surprises out in this world that you may not know about. And if you want to give us a call and talk about it. Give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We have offices in Queens, Staten Island, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. We don't charge for the initial consultation. The first consultation is free. And everything we do, for the most part, as far as estate planning, elder law is done on a flat fee basis. 
We don't charge by the hour. We charge by the job. So give us a call. And, you know, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. We're still accompanied by Nicole Donnelly, as well as my wife, Beth, and my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. All right, Nicole, you got another question, and I I think it's a question that pops up more than a little bit. It does. It comes up a lot with my Spanish-speaking clients. Someone writes, my uncle only speaks Spanish and can only read a little English. He owns a house and has money in CDs. He wants to make sure everything goes to his three nieces. Can we do a will in Spanish? Well, why don't you answer the question since I think you're better (laughs) equipped than I am? Well, whether or not we can is irrelevant because the court would not understand a will in Spanish. Well, you'd have to get it translated certification stuff like that right so how we do it here at connor's and sullivan is we do prepare the papers in english but as you know i speak very good spanish or maybe you don't know but all my spanish speakers come find out um i would translate every document for you i would let you know everything that's written in there um and the papers would be prepared in english but like I said, full translations, names, everything, any questions asked would be answered in Spanish. Even the questions asked during the formal will ceremony would be asked in Spanish. So they wouldn't miss a beat as far as the papers being prepared in English. <laughs> and here's, here's a, a point I'd like to make. You know, there's no requirement under New York state law that the witnesses and the testators speak the same language. There just has to be like a meeting of the minds what they're doing, that they're, they're signing a will, they know they're signing a will, and that the testator knows what he's doing 
and the witnesses are convinced the testator knows what they're doing. So there's no there's no absolute requirement. I know it sounds a little crazy, but there's no absolute requirement that the testator and the witnesses speak the same language. Now, Connors and Sullivan, we try very hard for the most part that the testator and the witnesses, at least a couple of the witnesses, speak the same language. And that's why if, if we have a testator whose primary language is Spanish, or even maybe he the testator speaks English well but not fluently, we usually would have Spanish-speaking witnesses. The same like if it's Russian, Ukrainian, Italian. Uh, Italian. I can't even go through all the languages. Greek. Um, there, there are a lot of languages floating around here, Connors and Sullivan, some of them I don't know about. Some of them our receptionists are not too sure <laughs> about either. But there are... There are a lot of languages, and we, we try very hard to, you know, match the witnesses and the, the testators so they speak the same language. And, of course, sometimes people might get slightly offended and say, well, you know, I speak English fluently. I don't need a native speaker, let's say Spanish. But I remember going back a few years ago, we had an Italian lady, another lawyer did the will. Italian lady passed away. She left the house to her boyfriend, and... She was born in Italy, and her um, brothers and sisters in Italy alleged that she didn't speak English, and the witnesses didn't speak Italian. And we had to go through a fairly hard time because for whatever reason at the court conferences before we got involved in the case, the court attorneys kind of believed the fact that the testator didn't speak English. And... You know, we had to bring in, you know, we had to bring in different witnesses who didn't speak Italian who testified that they knew, you know, the the testatrix, the woman that died, and that they didn't speak Italian and they would speak to her in English all the time. But that's an extra burden to the, you know, to the trial and to come up, you know, you, you know, it all looks good like on Perry Mason or whatever, if anybody remembers Perry Mason. But, you know, you bring in, you're giving me a look then. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you say, okay, you called Mr. Smith to the stand. Well, Mr. Smith, when the time comes in a trial, may not want to testify. Mr. Smith, I can tell you right now, does not want to testify. People get very nervous. And that's one of the reasons you don't do a will and just get... Um, the UPS employees as your witnesses. Well, I would bet, I would bet on a UPS employee. But the, 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 the bad case we have right now, somebody got two... Two people in a barbershop or a hair salon to witness the will. All right. Your UPS workers are a little bit better than the barbershop, I guess. Well, you know, the, the, the two people who witnessed the will were not necessarily legally documented to be in the United States. That can come up with the problem for sure. But a language barrier should never be a reason not to do your estate planning. Like I, like Mr. Connor said, we have all languages here. So if you're thinking we won't understand you, try us. We speak it. All right. And again, I just want to get back to that uh, that other point. That's why you know sometimes doing these will kits can be very dangerous. You pick any two people off the street to witness your will. A will is not just a writing. You fill out the form and it's good, and nobody takes a look at it. If you have somebody contesting your will, um, they they will cross-examine the witnesses, and if you have witnesses who don't want to show up, don't want to get involved, we got a problem. A will's not just a writing, you fill out the form and it looks good. A will is a writing that's witnessed by two people that are willing to testify that they witnessed a will signed in accordance with the laws of the state of New York. 
And to be a valid will in New York, it's it's not easy. It's not hard again, but it's not easy. And you got to do it the right way. Do you want if you got a million dollar house? Do you want a million dollar house to go to the state or go somewhere else than where you want it to go? Because the witnesses that you picked to witness your will don't want to get involved when you're gone. So I guess we're going to take a short break. And Nicole, where can somebody get a hold of you if they have a relative that speaks Spanish? Right here at Connors and Sullivan. Our phone number is 718-238-6500. You just ask for Nicole, your favorite Spanish-speaking lawyer. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, we got a a notice from our old friend Tony Lobianco about an event that's happening in Staten Island on May 1st, and we have Tony on the line right now to tell us about it. Welcome back, Tony. Oh, thank you. Thank you very great. It's great to talk to you again, my friend. Uh, yeah, the, uh, they're having the, it's the 50th anniversary of the French Connection, which has received, you know, five Academy Awards. And they're having a, uh, I'm going to speak about the film and uh, do a Q&A. Uh, people in the audience will be asking questions. And then after we'll have a meet and greet and, and people want to, uh, you know, by pictures or whatever they want to do there they they do that kind of thing there and uh but it's it's been a it's been a, a wonderful uh uh I mean, having done that movie 50 years ago it's hard to believe and the movie still holds up tremendously 
No, it really yeah. does. And I mean, and, and how did you get you get involved? Because at that time you were a relatively young actor, just really starting to get into the business. How did you get involved yeah. with that? How did you get the part? Well, you know, I had done the, my first film was the uh, Honeymoon Killers, <laughs> and uh, that, that that was quite a uh, it's become a cult classic. And uh, both uh, Phil D'Antoni, who was the producer of French Connection, um, and William Friedkin, the director, saw that film and was a favorite of theirs. And <laughs> they and they thought, uh, gee, we should get him. But because you know I was using a Spanish accent in the movie, the other one said, "Well, we can't get him. He's a, he's Spanish." And the the, the casting director uh, who who knew me. And, and said, no, he's a New York actor. He doesn't, he doesn't have a Spanish accent. He's acting. And so they brought me in. And, and also I, I met with Sonny Grasso, the, the uh, original detective, who later became my best friend. Uh, uh, that's how I got the part. And uh, it was, it was uh, you know, it felt, it felt like uh, um, I'd known everybody for a very long time because the, the friendship on the set was just really remarkable uh everybody was uh, it was a, you know, a different time in the in the country in 1970 uh different, different human beings existed back then you know than, than what we have now and the films of the 70s were, were very wonderful films and it was a very it was an adventure we didn't know it was such an adventure because it, was, it seemed normal to us uh, to do a film like that because it was so real so uh, on the streets and, uh, you know, in, in Brooklyn, where I'm from, and uh, it all it all just feel, it felt, felt like uh, a natural a natural order. And uh, uh, there was a lot of a lot of freedom from from uh, uh, Billy Freakin uh, in terms of, hey, what about this? Well, let me change this. Let me fix. Let me do this. You know, and, and, and the idea of, uh, of uh, uh, Gene Hackman. Uh, you know, as as uh, Eddie Egan, who's the other detective in the movie, uh, they they didn't want. There's a lot of actors who they didn't want uh, that uh, they they got because because uh, Hackman was in the Midwest and he didn't know anything about the streets of uh, of New York or Brooklyn and and and, uh, and the behavior of uh, the police back then and and the and the criminal and so on and so forth. He was. Was, and they had to be taken around and shown uh, uh, in Harlem and go where you had to go to do, to do what you had to do to get get confessions and what have you. And uh, he got it all right. He was just brilliant. They, I mean, they, they, I think Peter Boyle turned it down. They for a while, a while there, they wanted. Uh, oh gosh, who was that? Uh, who was that writer? There was a, there was a writer that uh, Jimmy Breslin. Uh, Jimmy Breslin, you know yeah. more about. Me. About this than I do, yeah, Jimmy Breslin. So all all these things, everything happens by uh, somewhat a, an accident. Then the other situation about the Frenchman, uh, they they saw a movie, a French movie, and they said, "Hey, let's get that guy for the uh, for the <laughs> Frenchman." So they hired him, and I mean, and then for the agent, they called, and uh, D'Antoni said, "The freaking go meet him at the airport." When he got to the airport. The wrong actor came off the set. I came off the plane, and Billy called called Phil and said, "Hey, they sent us the wrong actor. We wanted the other guy that was in the movie." 
Then they said, this guy's got a beard and everything else. And Phil said, we'll see if he can't shave his beard and so on. And, and so on. anyways, again, he, he was he was brilliant in the movie, you know. So all these kind of things happen in, in movies. And this, this, this turned out to be a, uh, brilliant for everybody, you know. Yeah, now here, you know, we're talking 50 years later, but yeah. Gene Hackman, Roy Scheider, you, Fernando Ray, you were household names back then. Right, right. No, not at all. Roy, Roy and I did like five different projects together. We, we had a, I had a theater in New York called the Triangle Theater that I was the artistic director of, and I had hired Roy to play in a, in a play, and, uh, uh, and and uh, Jason Miller, uh, Jason Miller wrote, and uh, then and then uh, so we 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 did everything. We did we were in the, we went into the uh, uh, Lincoln Center when way back in, in the in the beginning of time when Lincoln <laughs> Center was on Fourth Street. Uh, Harold Clerman, the great Harold Clerman uh, from the Group Theater, brought brought Roy and I in into that theater. And we were, you know, just the, the beginning, and and, it, and we went we went into a bit of incident in Vichy, which is a uh, Arthur Miller play. Uh, we did that play. We took it to, to California with Jean Pierre Mont and Joseph Wiseman. Uh, we it's the first time I had gone to California in the sixties. Yeah, so, so that was a, it was a very friendly uh, family kind of a movie, and. Uh, uh, in the making of it, and then then we did the Seven Ups together, uh, Roy and I. We, I co- we co-starred in that movie, and and that was another Phil D'Antoni. Not only did he produce that, but he also directed it. And that's a whole other story. But uh, but on the same the same kind of uh, police police stuff, you know, with the big car chase and but but those three car chases, Bullet that Steve McQueen did, uh, French Connection, and Seven Ups. All were by the same stunt driver, and all produced by Phil D'Antoni. Now, the stunt driver was he the guy named Hickman that was in the both films? That's him. Yep, yep. He acted in the movie too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was the police officer that Egan killed, right? Oh, well, we yes, he, yes, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, that's the. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, Tony. We haven't really. I mean, William Friedkin. Can you tell the audience a little bit? Because I think he deserves to be remembered for for more than a few things. But can you tell the audience a little bit about him? Well, you know, I think this might have been his second film, as I recall. I mean, he's only—I think he was thirty-three or thirty-four when he shot this movie, and he had—he had great leadership and and a full understanding uh, of the streets and uh, and. Uh, and a full understanding of what he wanted out of that movie. I don't think Billy was ever for a loss at, at what to do. He's a daredevil. He, you know, in in terms of uh, of uh, filming the uh, streets and the, the cars, he was in the car while while the chase was going on, uh, and kept telling Gene go faster, go faster, uh, and I mean telling the Hickman go faster, go faster, and and a lot of that stuff was pickup. You know, in the streets, and not had police permission or so or permits or anything like that. So it was, it was, it was quite, quite a, a, a he's quite a, an interesting fellow. I forget <laughs> he directed another movie. Uh, well, you know, of course, he directed Exorcist, which right. is a huge, 
Yeah. Now you mentioned we we should mention when you said a play by Jason Miller. Jason Miller was the well, well he was the exorcist in that movie. He was the younger priest. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's an interesting thing. I didn't realize he wrote the was it that championship season or was it another play that he wrote? Yeah, no, that's it. Let me tell you how all that happened. That was interesting too, because at the my theater, uh, Jason Jason Miller was was married to Jackie Gleason's daughter, right, uh, and and his son Jason Patrick. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so he, when he came to me, he had only one act plays, and I performed in one one of his one act plays and directed a few others at my theater. And not only that, then he did. Uh, nobody hears a broken drum, uh, or and and uh, Roy Scheider, I'm uh, yeah Roy Scheider acted in the play, and one night and one night Roy uh, was was doing a movie and was called to do a night shoot. He had to leave the play and to go do the movie, and Jason jumped into his own play and <laughs> played the lead. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Uh, that was- Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was, it was great times. I mean, I ran that theater with my, my partner, Bert Brinkerhoff, for about six years uh, on 88th Street between 1st and 2nd Avenue. Uh, and we did such wonderful stuff there. Our first our first, our first, plays were The Zoo Story by Edward Albee and uh, a play written by, uh, uh, well, author unknown, Monsieur Patelin, a play 500 years uh, later, so there was a, a two one-act plays, and we had a, 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 a relationship with the pastor, and we said we'll do plays, and then you speak about the themes of the plays in your in, with your parishioners, and then you go tell them to, to come to the play and and watch watch it act it out basically, and uh, we and it was a free theater. We didn't get paid. Nobody got paid. Uh, nobody got nobody paid to come in, and we did great work. And we had wonderful everybody. Uh, Joe Alisi was our costume designer, uh, who is now a big costume designer. And uh, Jules Fisher, one of the great lighting directors of Broadway, is was a lighting director. They had all this wonderful stuff going on there. It's great, and, and all doing it for free and on a shoestring. You know, yeah, great, great creative times. Uh, let's get back to the the French Connection. You know, okay. I think there's some morals in that movie that that apply to today and i mean when you look at the movie again you you kind of remember how what in bad shape new york city was back in those days and it got even worse for a while and maybe that's mm-hmm. a lesson for us today because i think a lot of the younger people forgot all about the problems of new york city back in the 70s and, and 80s mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i yeah yeah I, I, you're right you're right uh but it was a different, a different mentality, you know. I, I, you know, back then, you know, we were dealing with the, uh, the Black Panthers, uh, right? With the, the, and Sonny, Sonny and Eddie, and especially Sonny, was you know right in the middle of all that up in Harlem, Amsterdam, uh, Amsterdam newspaper, and and, uh, and in fact, I went on many many uh, uh, calls with the police. Um, I was on. Uh, I was in the I was in the car. I was, I was the fourth person in the car, going up on, on on different calls. And I went up one night. And the first night, I went up on a call where uh, we we had somebody 
shot dead on the top floor of a, in Harlem. And on our way up to the roof, uh, there was a fellow sitting on the step with a needle in his arm, and it was bubbling, bubbling over. The skin was just coming up, and Sonny just just came by, pulled the needle out of his arm, and went on to to do our what we supposed what we're there for. We went up to the roof, uh, and we saw a cop guarding the body, the dead, dead body, who apparently ran down the hall and was shot in the back in the bathroom there. And it turns out that the guard, who was a policeman's brother, but was killed a week earlier uh, on another job. And it, I mean, it was that kind of a thing. And then we left that place, and we because we had another call that a woman was shot in the back uh, up near Harlem. And as we were investigating that thing, uh, right up the street, well, just as we're looking down at that, somebody jumps off a roof and commits suicide. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I'm telling you, it's the Wild West. Uh, and and people don't really understand, you know, what the police have to go through and what was happening back then. And uh, I give them all the credit, having known, having been involved with all of them so closely uh, and on many different cases. And that was just that was the always opening night for me. <laughs> it was one night. All happened in huh. one night. Yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah, I can go on and on about different cases, rapes, kidnappings. You, you can't imagine. You can't imagine. Yeah, but anyway. I, again, I think there was a moral back then that the police uh, were underpaid and overworked, and mm-hmm. you know, back then. And here you have the criminals and the fancy restaurants and everything else, and the police are all, mm-hmm. you know, are eating a yep. cold piece of pizza outside, freezing. Absolutely, absolutely. And this, and 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 the fools, the fools today are talking about defunding the police. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> No, no common sense at all. You know, you defund the police. You don't have police there. What do you have? You have crime. You have, you know, that's what you have. So, uh, I don't know. And we're in, we're we're in an insane asylum at the moment. So, yeah. All right, let's get back. It's May first, Staten yeah. Island. Where's the event going to be? It's at the Saint Saint George Theater, which I understand is a great theater. Excuse me. I understand that's a great theater. Oh, it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful theater I know of. It's uh, oh, glitzy and gold leaps and what have you. I've, I've been there one time uh, in Staten Island, but that theater is beautiful. So, uh, uh, and it's uh, I think the doors the doors open at five o'clock, uh, and there's a meet and greet, and uh, and then this, this, they show the film, and and then we Q and A, and all kinds of stuff. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of younger people in our office, and they've never seen the film. And I said, hey, oh you know, maybe there's a time you should see this film because it is yeah. part of the history of New York, and it's a historic film. Uh, you know, a great film, good cast, well acted. And, you know, it's part of New York City history. And forget forget about the Academy Award. You know, it's a, it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, won five Academy Awards. It was right. nominated for one five, yeah. All right, so Tony, we'll see you May 1st at the St. George Theater in Staten Island. Great, great. Okay, my friend. It'll be wonderful to see you. God bless you. I love you. All right, love you too. Take care. Thank you, pal. Thank you. Bye. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. 
but even though I'm kind of comfortable, I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at catholicscomehome.com. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Uh, thanks again to Tony. I mean, French Connection, I think, is one of the best films that won an Academy Award. And I am a big critic of Academy Award 
winners because I think most of the films that win the Best Picture Academy Award are easily forgettable, but French Connection is an exception to that rule. So I, I'm looking forward to see it again on the, on the big screen. Meanwhile, April 27th is a special date. It's President General Ulysses S. Grant's 200th birthday. And, Michael, what announcement do we have about that? Yeah, so on April 27th, um, anyone who's been following the show knows both the significance of general-turned-president Ulysses S. Grant and knows that this year is his 200th birthday. So that evening, we're going to be going with the Grant Monument Association and our friend Frank Scaturo, who you've heard from on the show plenty of times, also authored of the book President Grant Reconsidered and president of the Grant Monument Association. We're going to be going to a history colloquy with none other than General Petraeus, who was the commander of U.S. forces in Iraq and later CIA director, as well as historians Ron Chernow and Ron White, both of whom are some of the top scholars working in U.S. history today. But during the day that day, there is going to be a ceremony open to the public, and we would like as many as possible to join us for that, start at 11 a.m. at Grant's tomb on April 27th. The capacity is unlimited. They want. We've been encouraged to, to, to try to encourage as high a turnout as possible for this. Um, we're announcing it here to you, our listeners on Connor's Corner, because we know you're big fans of history. So once again, that's Grant's Tomb at 11 a.m. on April 27th, open to the public. For those of you who are lovers of history and admirers of the general-turned-president who helped save this nation during one of our most bitter conflicts, we would love to have you there. All right. So, you know, speaking of General Grant, Beth, you and I were listening to saw an old wagon train. Re- oh, we did run. indeed. And it was, I think, the one wagon train episode directed by John Ford. And he had pretty much the whole cast of the horse soldiers. Oh, it was in great. The- oh, my gosh. Well, I lost count of we were okay. Oh, how many people from the horse soldiers are in this? And we're going one, two, ten. I lost count. I ran out of fingers. And, of course, General Sherman was played by an actor named Michael Morris, who was also known as John Wayne. Right. It was great. So So, do you remember the name of the episode? Coulter Craven Story. If you see that on the... The Coulter Craven Story, Wagon Train. Right. And the only thing is what I don't understand is Paul Birch played General Grant in the Wagon Train episode. Stan Jones, who was a country music singer, former park ranger, played General Grant. And I thought he did a good job in The Horse Soldiers. I know it's a small part, but I thought he did a, a good job. And Stan Jones was uh, the guy who sang, sang the song The Searchers, among other things. And I think Ghost Riders in the Sky was originally his song. Oh, really? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful songs. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit of trivia, you know, and I, you know, Watching watching old wagon trains, I don't know. I don't think there's anything better on TV right now. <laughs> Where do we get them? Wait, it's on, is it Dish? Is that what we've Yeah, on? Western Channel. The Western Channel. Oh, so nice. Okay, now one final note. If you want to learn something about estate planning in Elder Law, we are going to do seminars at the end of the month in June, the end of June. So the dates are being finalized with the places, but the last week of June... We are going to be doing seminars. We're going to be at uh, Connolly's Corner in Queens, the Adria Hotel in Queens, Buckley's in Marine Park, Brooklyn, 
and the Greenhouse Cafe in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, close to our hometown. And again, if you want to schedule an appointment with us, it's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We don't charge for the first consultation. The first consultation is free on anything about estate planning and elder law. And so they keep saying the time to plan is now. Meanwhile, we'll see you next week, same times and stations. Bye-bye. And back to our interview topic, we are going to be closing with music from The French Connection. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.